The reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Simon. Good morning, everyone. My name's Andy. I'm the curate here at St. Paul's. And I'm really excited for this new sermon series, which we're just starting to embark on. Next year and a half, going through uh, Luke's Gospel. Uh, here at St. Paul's, we're all about following Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And we're following and seeking uh, the Lord through Luke's Gospel uh, in this next year and a half. So I think this is brilliant, these notebooks. I'm really looking forward to, um, to scribbling and doodling in this. Can I encourage you, like, bring these um, to church and make notes. If you need a pen, we've got some pens at the back of the welcome desk. Go and grab um, those. And at the end of, uh, of this year and a half, we'll each have a kind of commentary, a St. Paul's commentary of Luke's Gospel. Fantastic. <laughs> Recommended. So uh, this morning, uh, we are looking at Mary, uh, our sister in Christ, this wonderful heroine of the faith. And in fact, actually, this evening, Jonathan is going to be preaching on the Magnificat on Mary's song, kind of the next part of the story. So today, we're all about uh, Mary. Let's pray uh, for the Lord to speak to us now. Father God, how we thank you for... Uh, the wonderful, inspiring, and challenging faith of Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus. And Lord, we pray, would you come by your Spirit and speak to us and invite us and uh, resource us 
for what you're seeking to do in our lives, individually and as a church family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, big question I've been pondering this week and that we're going to ponder together now is, what is God wanting to bring to birth in you, in your life? So what we're going to do is first we're going to look at Mary herself, then we're going to just consider what God is calling us to uh, in this season, and then finally we're going to ask, along with Mary, like, that's great, but how? Okay? Uh, so that's where uh, we're going. First, let's start with Mary, this wonderful, faithful woman of God. Um, I've got a slide I just want to show you here. Um, there have been many kind of depictions of Mary down through the years. Um, and this is a very special one. This is the Virgin of Vladimir, 12th century icon, um, which kind of got lost and has been restored as much as it can. Um, very significant in the Eastern Orthodox Church um, as a, a reflection on Mary, who she was, um, and what her calling was. And I wonder, how do you relate to Mary? Sometimes I feel like she can be quite a remote figure for us. Uh, on the one hand, you have some Christians who venerate Mary so much that they put her on this huge pedestal, sometimes literally go into some churches and there'll be you know, big statue or big icons of Mary. And it almost becomes like uh, she's not really quite as human as we are. And we're, we're not really quite in the same category as her. And on the other hand, you have the, the more Protestant evangelical um, wing of the church, which I think swings so far the other way so as to say, actually, uh, what, Jesus is the one who's important. We should completely ignore Mary um, and not give her a second thought. And what I want to suggest is that both are a big mistake. Mary was a normal human being just like you and me. She had her gifts and her struggles just like you and me. She was a sinner in need of grace, just like us. She was a follower of Jesus and an amazing example of faith and trust that we should honor and meditate on. So who is Mary? Well, let's look back to those first few verses of our text this morning, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So three quick things about Mary, all quite obvious. First is she's a virgin. Uh, Greek word parthenos means a young woman of marriageable age, so most certain, almost certainly a teenager in this case, therefore a virgin. Uh, now, some liberal interpreters will look at this and say, well, technically it says young woman, so she might not have been uh, a virgin. Um, but actually, this completely ignores the fact that Luke clearly is presenting a virgin birth here. That's what he is uh, giving us in this account. That's why Mary asks the obvious question in verse 34, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Uh, and what happened in first century Palestine is 
um, a couple would get betrothed and kind of enter into a marriage contract, but would then live separately for a year before you had the wedding, and then you moved in together. So they're in this, Mary is in this kind of year engagement, um, so to speak. So she's a virgin. Secondly, she's highly favored. Literally, she's a recipient of grace. The Greek here means graced one or someone who's received grace. She's chosen by God to be part of his purposes in his world. And like Mary, we who follow Jesus are recipients of grace. We're loved and favored by our heavenly Father. And third, she's a servant. Skip to the end, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Uh, This is actually the first time that the word servant is used uh, in Luke's gospel. Zechariah and Elizabeth, who we had last week, aren't called servants, but Mary is. And of course, servant becomes this really significant term in the Christian life. St. Paul, in in all his letters in, in the New Testament, will introduce himself as Paul, a servant of Christ. And the thing about servants is they say yes, don't they? Mary said yes to God. I love being uh, kind of like a groomsman at weddings. Um, I've been, yeah, yeah, been a groomsman a number of times at a number of weddings. And kind of your job really is to say yes to whatever needs to be done. Um, and uh, there's one wedding, actually I told a story about this wedding um, the other week at the evening service. This is the same wedding, different story. Um, it was a good friend of mine's wedding in America, and uh, we went, the day was, was going fine, it was going quite well. We'd had a few challenges which we had dealt with, um, and it got to the, the reception time, we had the meal, um, and then suddenly it turned out that apparently it's a thing in America that you have um, um, a wedding party does a dance, there's like a, this rehearsed dance, which it suddenly turned out was happening right now. I had, I had no idea. I hadn't been told about it at all. And so, but dutifully, I said, okay, let's go for it. We went for it and, um, and did it as best I could. Um, I don't think there's any filmed evidence, but Holly said it looked like Mr. Bean, like a Mr. Bean thing, you know. <laughs> so embarrassing, but I said yes. <laughs> Servants say yes. And Mary said yes to God, and God is never going to humiliate us um, or surprise us in an unfortunate way. Okay, so that's who Mary is. Um, Now I want to look at this question. What is God bringing to birth in you, or in us as St. Paul's? It's amazing. In Mary's body, God brought his own son, Jesus, to birth, the Savior of the world, The one who knit Mary together in her mother's womb was being knitted together in Mary's womb. The one who was going to be enthroned on high was going to be ensconced within her. The one who was going to nourish the world with his own body on the cross was being nourished into life within Mary's body. In the Eastern Orthodox churches, Mary is often called the Theotokos, means God-bearer, one who carried Jesus through pregnancy and then in his childhood as well. And we too bear Christ in our lives 
through his Holy Spirit. So what happened to Mary physically bearing God is a sign of what happens for each of us who are Christians spiritually. We carry Christ. So if you follow Jesus, you're a bearer of God's presence wherever you go, whether you're at home, uh, whether you're at work, whether you're on campus, in your neighborhood, the networks you have, you're bearing the presence, the powerful and holy presence of Jesus. What is God bringing to birth in your life for his kingdom? Well, that's St. Paul's a few weeks ago, we had a Vision Sunday and, of course, Commitment uh, Sunday as well. And Jonathan presented to us the vision that we have, that we believe God is calling us as a church family to be part of for the next 10 years. And it's this, together with others, to give everyone in our area a meaningful opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus by Easter 2033, which will be the 2000th anniversary of the resurrection of Jesus uh, from the dead. And it highlights a huge need. You know, there are nearly 100,000 people living in Leamington Spa itself, and the area we have in mind is wider than that, and most of whom uh, don't know the gospel of God's love and grace. And the fact is that our world and culture are crying out for hope uh, and for grace right now. Jonathan mentioned the 2021 census uh, which has been doing the rounds this week uh, with the uh, statistics about religion. So um, as of 2021, 46% of people ticked Christian when they responded to uh, the census, um, whereas there's been a rise to 37% of people. So that's just over one in three saying no religion at all. Um, so this is the first time since modern records began about 200 years ago that Christians have technically been a minority uh, in British society. But a lot of this actually isn't a surprise uh, to us. Another piece of research I really recommend engaging with, I think I've got a slide, it's called Talking Jesus, um, updated some statistics, really good. Um, 2022 came out this year. And um, that, sh that showed that in reality, only 6% of those in the UK are, are what we call practicing Christians, for whom Christianity is anything more than a label. However, there's some really hopeful stuff which has come out of this research as well. Um, they found that 53% of non-Christians, people who wouldn't call themselves a Christian, know one of those 6% practicing Christians. So as God's family, we are really well connected. And each of us is going to have many connections, aren't we, with those who don't know Jesus. Also, for those who are over 18, so adults coming to faith in Jesus, one in five did so because of a conversation with a Christian, with a practicing Christian. And another one in five came to faith through coming to an event or a service at church. So this time of year, as, as we approach Christmas, as there's lots of services and events going on here at St. Paul's and, and in other churches and places as well, this is a brilliant opportunity for us to be seeking conversation and, and inviting folks to come um, and join and explore uh, the meaning of life for themselves. Also, I want to share this uh, quote from the evangelist J. John. Uh, he wrote this brilliant letter to the Times a few days ago in response to the census. I want to read it for you. He said this, The general picture confirms what we have long known. 
Christianity is no longer the default religious belief in our society. We need a better, more positive, and more dynamic strategy. What is needed is not a stripped-down creed tuned to the prevailing mood of the culture. That will not work. No one goes to church to hear exactly what they get from the media and from their friends and colleagues. What will bring them in and see them committed to the church is the full-blooded, confident preaching of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paradoxically, the way to change the census figures is to ignore them and instead focus on producing changed lives through Jesus Christ. Brilliant from J. John. We're called to be bearers of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit wherever we go. And God sent his son into the world in the most countercultural way imaginable, born to a young uh, virgin girl of, of poor and low earthly status in a manner that seems so shameful. So let's trust that you know, as we seek to follow Jesus and share him with others, God moves in countercultural ways. Okay, so you might now be sitting there thinking, okay, this all sounds, sounds great, or maybe you're thinking this vision to reach everyone in this area sounds impossible. Perhaps we're asking with Mary, this sounds okay, but how? And Mary asks the same thing, doesn't she, in verse 34. How will this be since I'm a virgin? We might ask that too. How will this be since I'm a virgin? How will this be since... Our resources are relatively so small. How will this be since I feel so inadequate so often of the time? How will this be even that I don't feel like I have the opportunities uh, to really effectively share and, and love people in the power of the Holy Spirit for Jesus? Well, I want to just have a look at Gabriel's reply and just draw three things out for us. So this is what the angel replies from verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Three things um, in terms of how we can see this happen. The first is this, receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of Jesus, the one who lets us know God's presence, the one who empowers us, the one who prays within us as we follow the Son of God. The same Holy Spirit who conceived Jesus within Mary's womb is active in us. Do you believe that today? The same Spirit who formed the Savior of the world within this ordinary, faithful girl is forming Christ in you and in me. To be the hope of glory that everyone who we meet might encounter Him. Will we believe that today? And in a sense, it's not about us. It wasn't about Mary Mary didn't have to do anything, didn't have to pray a special prayer or go on a special course, useful though those might be to us. All she had to do is accept God's call on her life and bring to birth what he was doing in her. And it's the same for you and me today. 
And in a moment, we're going to have a time to, just to respond, and I'd love to pray for all of us to receive uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit afresh. Or perhaps you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You have a chance to pray to receive the Holy Spirit, to go on an adventure with Jesus. So receive the Holy Spirit. Second, share testimony. In the previous passage to this, uh, as Jonathan was preaching on last time, Zechariah gets a similar visit from the same angel, Gabriel, to be told, it's great news, you and your wife are going to have a son. And in some senses, you might think it seems quite similar. They both ask a question, all this thing. But actually, there's a big contrast. Uh, there's a big difference between the two. Uh, Zechariah asks for proof. If you flip back to verse 18, this is his question to the angel. He says, how can I be sure of this? I'm old. I'm an old man, and my wife is well on in years. And of course, the angel isn't particularly impressed with this response, um, and he doesn't get a sign. In fact, he gets the opposite of a sign because he's made mute and can't tell anyone about it for the next nine months. But Mary, on the other hand, she accepts, doesn't she? Simply accepts. She doesn't demand proof. She admits she doesn't know how it's going to happen, but her response is trust. And significantly, she does get a sign. Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. I think two things come out of this. The first is, when God asks us to do something, let's take him at his word, and he will encourage us. He'll send testimonies around us. He'll encourage us from other, with other people's stories. But let's take him at his word and trust him. And secondly, let's make a habit of encouraging other people as well. When we see God moving in our lives, or those we know, uh, when we see people coming to faith, exploring um, questions of meaning, let's share it with others. Let's encourage one another and be messengers, be angels to one another. And third, trust God's purposes. Gabriel says, isn't, isn't he, in uh, verse 37, no word from God will ever fail. And the, the Greek here for the word is rema. Different to uh, other times when word is used, and it really emphasizes God's work. It's like, like the spoken words. When someone says something to you, you know, it's, it's different just reading it on a piece of paper. When you get a letter from HMRC to say, good news, there's tax rebate, that's great, isn't it? We get that, that's brilliant. But it's not the same as a friend or a family member making a promise to you, is it? It's a different category of things, and it's been really clear here. This is the word that God has spoken, and every word he speaks comes to pass. It's not abstract, but it's grounded, it's earthy, it's dependable. And God has a plan, a good plan for us and for his world. Uh, so whatever he's birthing within you and within us, it's good. We can trust that his purposes are good. Okay, I want to just finish by, um, by quoting uh, Lord of the Rings. hope you'll indulge me. I love Tolkien. Love Lord of the Rings. Um, Tolkien was a deeply devout Christian man, and when you're 
aware of that, reading his, his Middle Earth works, it's so very clear. Um, so I, I just feel this really powerfully expresses what's at play here. Um, it, this is near the beginning of the story. The wizard Gandalf and the hobbit Frodo are sitting in Bag End, and um, they've just, Frodo's just realized the significance of this magic ring. He's going to have to bear it away from home, far away. He's going to have to go on a quest. Um, and Frodo says this, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. To be a Christian is to be on a quest, on a mission, on an adventure, not chosen by us, but by God. Not one which we might have wished on ourselves, but one which our times demand of us. Mary didn't have an easy calling, but an awesome one. And neither have we received an easy calling, bearing our Lord and offering his life to a dying world. But we do so with Jesus' presence and by his spirit and encouraged by one another's testimony and trusting in God's good purposes. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. May it be so. Amen. Let's have a time to pray now. I'd like to invite you to stand. I can just respond um, to the Lord now. The band might want to come up, um, ready to lead us. And we're just going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to us, to encourage us, to re reveal Jesus to us. So I pray, come Holy Spirit, Spirit who formed Jesus in our beloved sister Mary's womb, come and fill us and show us what you are longing to bring to birth within us in your kingdom. Pray that you would fill us afresh, Lord. Give us a fresh knowledge of your presence. Give us a sense of that spoken word, dependable word. I want to offer up to the Lord if there's a, something on your heart or, I don't know, neighborhood or an area, um, someone in particular, offer up to him. That's if there's someone who you feel like the Lord's putting on your heart to invite this Christmas to something going on at church as we share the good news. Or perhaps you're, perhaps you don't feel you've ever been filled by the Spirit before or wouldn't call yourself a Christian. I pray for you that you would know the filling of the Holy Spirit. You would know God's presence 
He invites us in and invites us on and is always with us. He never leaves us. God doesn't begin something to come to birth and then leave. The Lord is present. And hear this uh, traditional prayer, sometimes prayed at the Annunciation. God Most High, whose handmaid bore the Word made flesh, you visit us with your Holy Spirit and overshadow us by your power. Strengthen us to walk with Mary the joyful path of obedience and so to bring forth the fruits of holiness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship again now. We're going to sing uh, from the squalor of a borrowed stable by the spirit of a virgin's faith came the savior of the human race. Let's worship together now.